being thrown so widely out of my comfort zone, it lit that fire for me that I had throughout my younger years with running, where I was hungry to get better. I wanted to get stronger. I wanted to do all these things that I'd never done and you know, see how far I could push myself and what I could do. Uh, and I guess that's what actually lit the fire for me to then show other people that they can do it too, because there was nothing special about me. Like if I could do it, there is absolutely no reason that other people couldn't do it too. From Women's Health Australia, this is Uninterrupted. I'm Editor-in-Chief, Lisa Gebelagen. There was a time when Cass Olholm could barely do a push-up on her knees, and walking into a CrossFit-style gym intimidated her. Now, the rising star trainer of Kayla Itzina's Sweat app is showing people around the world how they can do power cleans, barbell rows, and overhead lunges, all so that they can build their own strength through resistance training. And we're not just talking about physical strength, we're talking mental strength too, because there is something empowering about discovering over time that you actually are stronger than you thought you were. Well, I saw a post on your Instagram, which seemed like it was around the time of the shoot where you talk about stepping out of your comfort zone and how that can lead to growth. (laughs) Yes. And specifically, you wrote that this is a face of someone who spent all day outside of her comfort zone again for the hundredth time in the past few weeks. (laughs) That is definitely how I felt. (laughs) But that is where we grow. So it's important that we do those things. And I knew that. I knew I would be outside my comfort zone, but I I willingly did that and um, knowing that the growth would come from that. So, How do you prepare yourself when you know that you're coming up against something that is a bit scary, something that you're not used to, but you know you have to do it or you choose to do it in this case? Yeah, I think it comes down to a giving myself an internal pep talk, just, Mm. you know, really backing yourself, knowing that like you've done hard things before you can do that again. If you've done it before, you can do it again. And just really getting in there behind yourself because if you don't, who will kind of thing. Mm. Is there something hard in particular that you've done that became the benchmark for this pep talk? So to give you an example for me, it was having a mixed martial arts fight because I went through this whole whole year of like every day I'm going to do something that scares me and it was like little things like having a hard conversation with a friend that you know I'd usually if if they I don't know if something small happened I would just ignore it but I decided yeah. you know what, I'm just going to tell them how I feel like had those kinds of conversations to then to the pinnacle of this year of tackling things that scared me um, putting my hand up for a mixed martial arts fight because I thought if I can get through a fight in a cage where someone is one, like literally wanting to rip my head off, then I can do anything. <laughs> you are insane. I love that and good on you. Seriously, you are, you are braver than I am. <laughs> it worked though. <laughs> good, good. I mean, you got out of it what you wanted. So that's, that's awesome. Look, I don't think there's anything in particular. There's lots of little things like um, saying yes to being a sweat trainer, opening up my own gym, uh, even just like the shoot itself, little things like that. And I think over time, those things add up to just reassuring you that you can do these hard things that come your way Mm. or these things that, you know, are going to help you grow. Um, Maybe having a baby, we'll throw that one in there. That one's one's not easy. Yeah, that's not a little (laughs) thing at all. Not at all. (laughs) Um, but when you do talk about little things, 
mixed martial arts fight aside, for me, it was even going into the gym and then realizing, oh, wait, I can lift heavier than I thought I could. And then progressing from there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like having hard workouts in front of you and then going, you know, can I do this? Can I do this? And then doing it, doing that every day or, you know, almost every day, every week, just in your training, that alone re- like reinforces that assurance for you. Yeah. So you also mentioned that becoming a sweat trainer was, you know, another thing that brought you out of your comfort zone. Can you talk about like how you, how you ended up getting involved with sweat? Yes. Yes. Big uh, comfort zone pusher that one. <laughs> um, look, so sweat or becoming a sweat trainer was a dream of mine for so long. Uh, just being able to, I guess, empower women through fitness on such a capacity like I said, would just be a dream come true. At the same time, you know, that opportunity isn't thrown around every day. So, you know, I had to be realistic about the whole situation. However, it was early 2019. I was pregnant at the time. I was with my family. We were skiing in Japan or they were skiing, obviously. I wasn't snow skiing, being (laughs) pregnant. And I received a DM from Kayla Ritzina's sweat trainer, co-founder of Sweat, queen in this fitness industry. (laughs) (laughs) And I remember saying to Jake, my husband, being like, oh my goodness, I've made it. <laughs> like Kayla has DM'd me. Like, mm-hmm. because as silly as it sounds, you know, as I said, she is like she is top in this industry. She is yeah. huge. What she does is incredible. And to be on her radar or to be noticed by her, I was like, oh my goodness. And it wasn't sweat related. She was pregnant at the time too. We were about six weeks apart. So it was really nice to be able to like connect with her. And it was a nice conversation starter, I guess, you know, just chatting about being pregnant and having active pregnancy and Mm. all that kind of thing. And obviously being so close in our pregnancy. Anyway, fast forward a few weeks, uh, I was back in Cairns at home where I live. I was coaching at the time. I had back-to-back classes and I had about five minutes in between the two classes I was coaching and something strong in my gut was telling me to go check my emails. I don't know why. It's not something I do between classes, Yeah. but I went in, I went and checked my emails and there was an email sitting there from Sweat basically saying, Hey, we love what you do. We'd love to explore potentially working with you. And because this had been such a dream for me, I I just couldn't believe it. Like I literally put my head in my hands. I started crying, happy tears, <laughs> of course. I, just, I couldn't believe that this could potentially be coming true for me. And then also realized that I had to go coach a class in like a minute. So I had to pull myself back together, go out there. And I reckon it was probably one of the best classes I've ever coached because like if you would watch me from the sideline, I probably had this like crazy, silly smile on my face the entire time. Like someone would be like, wow, she loves her job. Yeah. <laughs> really loves her job. Yeah, that much. <laughs> and then I guess, um, I obviously fast forward again. I, cause I was pregnant at the time I had Charlotte fast forward into my new chapter as a mum, And I launched as a sweat trainer in December, 2020. I now have three programs with them, both gym-based programs and at home programs. And then of course the sweat challenge and I'll be doing it too. So I'm like excited for the community, but for myself too, to join them in that. So can you tell me, how would you describe yourself as a trainer? Oh, actually, wait, how would the people you train describe you as a trainer? Oh, how would they describe me? Yeah. Okay. Look, I, I am encouraging with tough love, but nurturing at the same time. I'm like, I change my training style and I think my clients would attest to this. 
I have a knack of reading my clients and being able to coach them according to what they need. Mm. So I know some people thrive off like a really nurturing style um, of coaching and others, you know, I can get behind them a little bit and really fire them up. So I can coach differently between clients, but I can also read the same client and change my coaching style depending on what they need that day. Because like, I mean, I perform better as a trainer if I can coach to what they need, but they also get more out of me. So we both win. So look, I have that tough love there because I believe they can do it Yeah. because if they can, I believe in them. I know they can do it because I've, you know, I was someone who I didn't think I could do things and I can do these crazy things now. There's absolutely no reason why you can't either. So I have that tough love where I'm like, I know you can do it, but it's in a really encouraging, nurturing way, not a drop and give me 20 kind of way. (laughs) So tell me about your own fitness journey. How did you end up in this position that you're, you're in now? So I guess I've been active my entire life. Uh, you know, as a child, I played so many school sports, touch football, soccer, hockey, triathlons, gymnastics, all that kind of thing. And outside of like school sport, I was still active. Like I grew up on a farm riding push bikes and motorbikes. And, you know, I was always running outside with the dogs. Like I was always active. Uh, then throughout school, I focused strongly on running in high school. I was really competitive. I competed at a state level every year for both track and field and cross country. So that was, that was where I, what I loved, what I was good at and what I was passionate about and what really, um, I guess fueled my fire in the fitness area. I moved to, moved down to Brisbane to university to study nutrition that was probably the least active part of my life, mainly because I had nothing I was training for, essentially. Mm. I, I was still running and whatnot, but it wasn't until I moved back home to Cairns, I met my now husband, Jake, and we'd only just you know, met each other. He's like, come along with me, come to this training that I've just started doing. It was like a CrossFit style uh, training facility. And I was like, okay, look, look, I'm fit enough. I can run, but that's fine. And I walked, I remember walking into this place and I was, again, bring back to the comfort zone. I was so out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Like I could run, but that was it. Not that, that <laughs> that's nothing, but you know, these guys are doing push-ups and pull-ups and picking up these heavy barbells and dumbbells. And I walked in there, I had no upper body strength, like zero. I could mm-hmm. barely do push-ups on my knees. But being thrown so wildly and so quickly out of my comfort zone. Like I was there with this guy. I couldn't just be like, oh, sorry, see ya. I can't do this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I had to do it. But at the same time, being thrown so wildly out of my comfort zone, it lit that fire for me that I had throughout my younger years with running where I was hungry to get better. I wanted to get stronger. I wanted to do all these things that I'd never done and you know, see how far I could push myself and what I could do. Mm. Uh, And I guess that's what actually lit the fire for me to then show other people that they can do it too, because there was nothing special about me. Like if I could do it, there is absolutely no reason that other people couldn't do it too. And to feel all the incredible benefits that come with that, I wanted other people to feel like feel that too. So that is, I guess, then where I wanted to create a career out of this. So it sounds like for you that it's like, you like that competition, but with training, it's almost like an internal thing rather than competing with everybody else. Absolutely. Yeah. That intrinsic motivation. Like I, I, it is you versus you. I just want to see what I can do, how far I can push myself, how strong I can be, how capable I am. And I, I love that feeling of being able to say, wow, I couldn't do that last week or I've never done that before because you know that you've earned that. Like no one can give that to you. No one can, uh, you can't buy it. Like you, you have to earn that. And 
that all comes back on you. Like you can be so proud of yourself because that is you. What exercise move did you think at that at the start that there was no way in hell that you would ever be able to do? And now you can do it. A pull up, a pull up, like full stop. Because yeah. I think being able to literally just like grab a bar, hang off it, pull yourself up and have that control over your body to do that. It's just so next level. And there was to me no way that that was ever something I would be able to do. Like I, growing up, you know, I was always, you know, quite lean and, you know, quite skinny for lack of a better word. And, you know, my, my family always used to joke that, you know, you're just skin and bones. So it was never something I thought was capable for me. You know, if we ever, you know, I remember moving to Brisbane, if we ever moved units or anything like that, like I couldn't help move the furniture because I wasn't strong like that. So pull up for me, that hundred percent is the move. And now, yeah all over it. (laughs) So now you can't get out of um, helping, say, if you move houses, you have to, you have to lift those boxes. No, I'm volunteering. (laughs) Hey, I can load that unit for you. No problem. I'll carry that couch with you. No worries. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome. Um, Is there a move now that you are working towards mastering? Yes, I guess so. I can do a muscle up. So I guess getting yourself from under the bar to on top of the bar, I can do them. Uh, I can't do, I can do a ring muscle up. I should be more specific, a ring muscle up. I can do them, but I cannot string them together for the life of me. The core, I, I just need to nail the skill and the coordination behind it. Mm. So that is where I'm at right now. I am working hard to get that so that I can just throw myself around on these rings <laughs> with that control and that strength. They just, yeah. So that's, that's my performance-based goal right now. This is cool because I think people will look at your Instagram and think, Oh, Kat, she looks like she's always been fit her entire life. <laughs> yeah, I, I find that like I when I talk to people, I sometimes get, I feel they put me in a different category and I'm like, no, no, no. Like if you had known me when I started this type of training, I am where you are at right now. I've been where you're at. Like I get it. I know what it comes down to. So like, trust me when I say that you can do it too kind of thing. When we talk about like what it comes down to, I think a lot of it, is consistency. And I remember Mm -hmm. seeing an article that we wrote about you on women's health about how long it took for you to get visible abs. And it was like five years, which to some people would be like a relief that, Hey, yay, this program that says (laughs) I was going to get abs in um, one week um, was actually full of shit. (laughs) Yes. I don't (laughs) lie, you know, it's actually, you know, takes that consistency. Um, What, do you think that's like the most important thing in fitness? No, not at all. I think having visible abs, uh, and I think the fitness industry is slowly coming around to this. That isn't a sign of health or strength or fitness in any way, whether they're visible or not. And I remember this this um, article because it actually went viral from a, an Instagram post I posted because the behind it, I guess what I was trying to say is that, you know, you can't do a 30-day diet or fitness challenge or whatever and expect to have really lean visible abs. And I guess that's because, you know, that is what my body shape is. And, you know, I've been doing this style of training for five years and I I remember showing a photo before and after photo essentially and saying, you know, for me to look this way and, and I got questions about it all the time because, you know, I was quite a strong lean physique you know, how did you do that? How did you do that? I just want to say that it doesn't take, you know, a seven day challenge or a seven day diet. There's no quick, easy way to do it. Cause if there was something easy, everyone would be doing it, right? We, we, we're making millions out of it. Um, 
And I guess I was just trying to say that this takes years of consistency of showing up and working hard if you want visible abs. Like for me, that wasn't even a goal. I wanted to do things like the pull-up we were talking about Mm. before. I wanted to be able to do that. And having all these performance-based goals, you know, my body was put in an environment where it had to change and adapt in order to be able to do these things. And essentially having lean visible abs was just a byproduct of that. It's crazy how like I think um, social media and like the media gets obsessed with certain body parts. Like for a while there, it was the glutes. Everyone just wanted. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Really toned glutes. Um, Now, going back to one of those other things that put you out of your comfort zone, you talked about starting your gym. Can you tell me a bit about that? Yeah. So as I said before, I guess the drive or the want to start helping other people's from my own journey. So discovering that, you know, I was capable of all these things and then feeling all of the incredible benefits from it, not just in, you know, my training, but in everyday life as well. I wanted to help other people feel that too and understand what that was like and go through that journey and witness all of these things for themselves. So I guess that's where the drive to want to do that came from. So I got myself credited in all the ways necessary to be credible legally, to be able to train people in Australia. And my husband, Jake, who was also a qualified trainer, we started eight week boot camp style training camps, I guess, or challenges down at the wharf here in Cairns where we live. And they were really popular. We had a wait list. So we had that demand there, which is incredible. And that happened really quickly. And I guess then growing from that or coupling with that is that Cairns is a tropical climate. It rains all the time. So it's not ideal to have a outdoor boot camp style challenge happening in a tropical environment. (laughs) Uh, So between, I guess it was my journey that made me want to start helping others. And then having such an incredible demand placed with not the ideal environment to be training all these people really quickly propelled us to opening up the ground. So the ground now has been open for three and a half years. Mm. And, you know, it's a strength and conditioning gym. We provide strength and conditioning training, HIIT training, and we have a really massive sense of community. And they're like, our culture in there is incredible. And I'm not being biased. I've trained at so many places, <laughs> but that was one of the big things for us when we opened it. I wanted a place where it didn't matter who you were, where you're at on your journey, that you felt like you were a part of something. And that is definitely, they're like, everyone is so supportive and encouraging of each other. And it is just such an incredible vibe and atmosphere and and something really special to be a part of. How how have you been able to cultivate that vibe? I think it comes down to a lot of, uh, a lot of little things within the gym. Um, You know, little things with, I guess, almost like it is a group fitness facility. So having that support there, it's there anyway. Uh, as trainers, we're really encouraging of everyone and it seems to rub off on all of our clients doing that for each other. But little things like when someone finishes their workout, mm. you know, they don't pack their barbell up before everyone else. You know, you, Instead, they're sitting there, they're cheering for the others to finish that kind of thing as well. Oh, yeah, we nice. have, comp- yeah, just little things like yeah. that. We have competition in there, but it's healthy competition. Um, yeah, there's no, there's no clicks, there's no groups. You know, we... You know, girls of any size, no matter what they look like, what they're doing, can take their shirts off and train in their crop tops. Like just little things I think really add up to this big positive culture. Oh, next time in, I'm in Cairns, I would like to come visit. <laughs> Please do. Please definitely do. I would love to meet you in person. 
Um, let's talk about your background in nutrition because I think that mm. combined with the training is like the ultimate mix. Um, yes. So tell me about what you studied and like how you use that knowledge in training people and then also in, in making your own decisions for your own training and, and nutrition goals. So I studied a Bachelor of Health Science Nutrition at the Queensland University of Technology. So I've been a nutritionist for over 10 years now. Mm. And you're absolutely spot on when you say that nutrition and fitness, they go hand in hand. It's a great tool set to have as a trainer. Uh, the way I use nutrition for both myself and the way I try to educate and instill food and nutrition within the people I coach and I train is to view food as fuel. Uh, fuel for you to perform, fuel for you to get where you want to, to, you know, to have that energy, to have that focus, to you know, really show up as the best version of yourself. Yeah, that's a good approach because I think a lot of people, especially if they're starting on their health and fitness journey, they start to look at food as something that almost makes them feel guilty, especially when yeah. people are trying to you know, change up their eating habits. Absolutely. And, and that's a uh, really, I guess, upsetting part of this industry that has been in a way for so long there has always been that strong focus on you know food as calories and all that kind of thing and yes at the end of the day um you know if you if you are trying to lose fat mass or whatnot like we do have to be in a calorie deficit where we are consuming less than uh you know we are exerting essentially but it is it's hard it's a really sensitive emotional subject like food and nutrition you know we've had or built these relationships with food since the day we were born so um, it's an unfortunate part where a lot of us are in that headspace of restricting or feeling guilty about the foods that we are consuming so you know it does take a little bit of a mindset shift to view food as fuel and I, I totally am aware that that doesn't take you know that doesn't happen overnight but if you can do that and see what food can do for your body to help you thrive, it is honestly one of the the best things, the best feelings. Before you were able to make that link between food as fuel, what was your relationship to food like? So for most of my life, my relationship with food has been really great, really good because most of my life I, has, I have viewed food as fuel. Probably the only time where I didn't and kind of allows me to relate, I guess, to people who don't see it as fuel and can mm. allow me to understand what they're going through is that period where I was at university. You know, I didn't have anything to train for. You know, I'm a performance-based coach. I train with performance goals in mind as well. And I didn't have anything I was training for. I moved to Brisbane. I moved out of home. I had a new sense of independency. You know, I wasn't at school, but I had university. So a complete life routine change. And I wasn't training for anything. So naturally, you know, I was still running and still active, but because I wasn't training for anything, I naturally put on a bit of weight and, you know, nothing crazy, but that had never happened to me before. So all of a sudden my mindset changed or the way I viewed food became what was the calorie content, like what foods, you know, could fill me up for the least amount of calories and things like that, you know, that really aren't that healthy. You know, it's yeah. not a healthy mindset to be really looking at food like that. But literally the moment I changed my circumstance and went, oh, there's, you know, the Gold Coast half marathon. I want to do that. And literally the moment I started training for that and had that performance-based goal again, I subconsciously moved back into seeing all of my food as fuel and what it could do for me to help me perform better, to get to where I want to get to, to get the fastest 21 kilometer, you know, <laughs> time I could get. 
So it was, you know, that subconsciously happened again. It's just for me having those performance-based goals there and what food can do for me to get me to where I want to get to or to perform the best I can. Can you give us an example of what that means on a practical level? Say, for example, pre-training and post-training, just so that our listeners can who aren't used to viewing food that way can get an idea of what that means. Absolutely. Uh, So, you know, if you have a performance-based goal in mind, like, you know, I want to run five kilometers without stopping, or I want to run one kilometer under five minutes or pick up, you know, a hundred kilo deadlift, something like that. You need to be fueling your workout in order to to get the most out of it, essentially, like being somewhat strategic in what you're eating around your training session to get the most out of it. Like if you're putting the hard work in, in your training session, why not get even better results just by fueling yourself correctly either side of that? That's that's how I view that. Like you're doing the hard work. Why not get better results just by eating a certain way before or after? So to give uh, examples or to give some kind of context is, you know, what is evidence-based. So this is not my trainer opinion, just prefacing with this is complete evidence-based. These studies that have shown this, looking at about 15 to 30 grams of carbohydrates about 60 minutes before you train is optimal. And that's things like fruit, uh, honey and crumpets, jam on toast, something that is just easy to digest, get absorbed into the bloodstream and give you that immediate fuel. And the few reasons for this are one, it prevents muscle breakdown. Two, it supports muscle uh, protein synthesis. So it allows you to help grow those muscles. Mm. And evidence as all these studies have also shown that by fueling your body this way, it allows you to perform better in your training session, which thus gives you better results. So you're going to see that progress a lot quicker. Now, at the same time, and this is where the nutritionist comes in here, that I totally understand that not everyone can eat before they train, you know, especially if somebody trains at 4.30 in the morning, 5 a.m. in the morning. I totally get that. So it's not the end of the world if you don't eat, but it's optimal if you can. And Mm. my recommendation here would be something is better than nothing. Can you just eat a bite of a banana, a handful of grapes, even liquefy your carbs like orange juice, a smoothie, because something is better than nothing. Mm. So, yeah, so that's coming into your pre-nutrition, your post-nutrition. You're looking at ticking three boxes, hydration, carbohydrates, and protein. And you want to try and get that into you as soon as you can. The formula I like to work off is performance equals fitness minus fatigue. Okay. So by kickstarting your recovery, by being really proactive with your nutrition, which is the second best form of recovery, the first one is sleep, second being nutrition. Mm -hmm. If you can be proactive about that, not only are you going to see the benefits and get yourself, you know, through that repair recovery phase into that growth phase, but you're also going to be in a better position for your next training session as well. If we come back to that formula of performance equals fitness minus fatigue. Yep. Yep. So what's an an example of something that we would have then post-workout? Yeah. So I guess the, the easiest thing to consume is a smoothie or a protein shake, something like that. And there's a few reasons for that. I mean, there's not a lot of people I've met, including myself, who want to eat a massive, you know, dinner meal or something after they've trained, mm-hmm. you know, within an hour or two, maybe. But, you know, being able to consume something of liquid form, it's easily digestible, easily absorbed, getting straight into that bloodstream, straight to mu- into your muscles where you need it to kickstart that recovery. Um, you're ticking the hydration box because, you know, being obviously a protein shake, you're putting water or milk or something with it. Yeah. Uh, it's 
portable. You don't, you can take it to the gym or your training session with you. You don't need to heat it up. You don't just store it, freeze it, that kind of thing. So that's great too. And these days, you know, there's some pretty good protein powders on the market, um, that taste great, really affordable, all that kind of thing. Yeah. No, that is true. I remember like protein from like 10 years ago. It was disgusting. Right. (laughs) It has come a long way, the industry. Such a long way. Okay. So when this episode comes out, a lot of people are reassessing their fitness and health goals around this time. And since you are an incredibly fit woman, uh, we wanted to know like, what are some tips that you have for our listeners so that they can start 2022 strong? Yeah, so I'm a I'm a big believer in visualization. So, you know, whether you're putting your goals like within a vision board so you can physically see it, or if you're at least writing them, like write them down so you can see in front of you what it is you're working towards. So that's the what. You've got the goals, the what. Now we want to dissect the why behind the what. Why are you doing this? Is it to make give, you know, you'll feel more energetic if you do this, or it's going to give you more work-life balance, whatever it is, the why is what is going to, going to drive you to want to keep working towards this goal. If your why is like what I suggested before, or or if it's something that you feel like someone said you should do it, you're not going to have that drive there. So it's really important you look at the why to help you assess whether this goal is something you really want or whether you think you should do it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think the next part from there is breaking it down. So break this big goal down into smaller chunks. What do you need to do daily? What do you need to do weekly? What do you need to do monthly? Because then you have something to also You've broken it down. You've got something to work towards, but not just that. You've got these small milestones in place because sometimes when we have a big goal, it might be 12 months away, Mm. you know, and often when it feels so far away all the time, we can lose that momentum and lose that motivation. So having those small milestones broken down, we can visibly see that progress that we are working towards. Now, bringing back to health and fitness and what you said before and what I could suggest on top of doing those things, my biggest suggestion is to start small. Often we start the new year, you know, we're really hungry for whatever we're trying to achieve and often, and which is good. It's so good to be hungry for it, but often we bite off more than we can chew. Yep. Over-enthusiastic. Exactly. Exactly. The enthusiasm is great, but often we then feel overwhelmed and we find ourselves back at square one. So trying to be really, I guess, uh, intentional about what we're doing and you know, if you have all these things you've broken down, like these are all the things I need to do in order to, you know, feel, get more energy or, you know, whatever your goal is within the health and fitness industry, start small. So putting that into a practical sense, week one, say you're going to do 10,000 steps every day. That's your one goal for this week. That's the one lifestyle change you're going to make. Great. Week two, we're now going to eat an extra serve of veggies every single day. Amazing. Week three, two liters of water every single day. Week four, we're going to add two resistance training sessions into our life. And then if you do that over a year, you've got 52 new habits, healthy habits mm. by the end of the year. Rather than trying to make all those changes on day one, yeah, 100% it's not sustainable. You're not going to adhere to all these new lifestyle changes. You're overwhelmed and you've got that feeling of being back to square one, which is not a nice feeling. So start small and go from there. So going back to the actual goal, I think a lot of people have weight loss goals. Say, for example, they need to lose X amount of kilos. Um, And we've talked a lot about performance-based goals in this chat. Mm -hmm. What, in your experience working with people, what do you find more motivating um, as a goal? Like if 
because I feel like the weight loss goals tend to, I don't know, they, they tend to be like personally, they're discouraging and like, yes. they don't, they don't motivate me. Like I lose five kilos. I don't care. But if it's like to, I don't know, to get back in the ring again, then sweet, I will commit to it. So what, what is, what are your, what are your suggestions for people out there who think that who, who would naturally go, who would naturally have a weight loss goal? Yeah, I think there's a few things that comes into this. Like coming back to what I said before, like with the why, why do you want to lose five kilos? Hmm. You know, like why is, is that because you socially believe that's, you know, what's more acceptable for you to take up less space? Like what is the why? Or is it because you want to feel more energetic? Like again, coming back to that why, what is the why behind there? But turning into performance-based goals, the reason why I like to train this way and I encourage all of my clients to train in such a way is because there's a line in the sand. Like, can I pick up a hundred kilo barbell, do a deadlift? Can I not? You know, there's a line in the sand. Whereas if you're like, I want to be more toned, there's what, what day are you toned and what day are you not toned? Like, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? There's no, yeah, you know, and often because if you're, if you want to, if if that's your goal, a hundred kilo deadlift or, you know, I want to run five kilometers without stopping often, you know, our bodies, we're, we're really adaptable organisms. We try to get efficient at what we're doing. So your body will naturally change in a way to become good at its environment and do those things. So often a byproduct that is, you know, you know, you becoming toned if, if that's your goal, for example, without you even realizing it, that's not even something you're working towards, but your body's adapting in a way where that happens. Um, I think the other thing is, kind of like what you said before about being discouraging, you know, if you're trying to lose weight and there's a fixation on say food and whatnot, when you eat a way that you feel isn't a part of what is helping you get to where you want to get to that discouragement there, it's a really negative, unhealthy headspace to be in. Yeah. Whereas, you know, every training session you do is getting you close to that hundred kilo deadlift. If that's your goal, you know, yeah. you don't have that sense of discouragement there. Yeah. So I think that's a, yeah, just a healthier mindset to be in. Yeah, absolutely. So nice. a few different aspects there. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Um, well, thank you so much, Cass. This has been such a wonderful chat. Was there anything else that you would like to leave with our listeners? Uh, look, I just want to say that back yourself, that, you know, you are so strong and so capable and you can achieve so much more than you might even realize now. So back yourself and just remember that you can, whatever it is, you absolutely can. Thank you so much. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Like Cass said, whatever it is you want to do, you can. So go try it and let us know how you go. If you would love more great conversations like this, expert tips and the latest science to help you hit your health and well-being goals, pick up a copy of the latest issue of Women's Health Australia or visit us at womenshealth.com.au. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Lisa Gebilagen. I would love to know who else would you like to hear from on our podcast? Let us know on Instagram. We're at women's health AUS. Thank you and see you next time.